0: Because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With US Bank, it's up to you, because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or a grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at USbank.com/credit card.
2: U.S. bank credit cards are issued by U.S Bank National Association ND. Some restrictions may apply member FDIC.
3: Waiters, three seconds left, for
0: three in the win! Yes! Dion has done it! I watched Marcus Morris handling the ball like he was a point guard. I watched them give the ball to Julius Randle. This brother was dribbling the ball up the damn court. First team on defense! First team defense! I don't know about this, but
3: Rihanna just walked in front of me. Are you kidding me?
2: Welcome to a Wednesday edition the RotoWire NBA podcast. Nick Whalen here uh, with James Anderson to discuss the NBA draft. James, I, I, you revealed to me recently that you're a, a Ty Dolla $ign fan. Is that correct? Can you confirm the reports?
1: Not a, not necessarily a fan. I, I don't really know his catalog that well. I just uh, someone told me to listen to his mm. latest album, and I I thought uh, yeah. there are at least six or seven pretty solid tracks on there. So. I told you about that and I, I blew your mind, I think.
2: I mean, if, if I could have made a list of like the 10 current rappers who would not be on James Anderson's playlist, I think Ty Dolla $ign would have come in
1: somewhere between like four and six on that list. <laughs> no, man. I mean, I think uh, I think you would be pretty good at putting that list together. But yeah, I, I don't <laughs> mind. I don't mind guys like that that kind of fluctuate between yeah. uh, singing hooks and rapping here and there. I mean,
2: I've I'ven't seen you in person in so long. Just with the office being closed, and I'm in Milwaukee now. You're still in Madison. In that time, maybe our rap tastes have completely changed. Like I was I was at the gym. I was at the gym this morning listening exclusively to Nas and Jay Z. You're listening to Ty Dolla Sign. I don't, I don't know what else is going on there, but uh, things have been. Don't worry, changed. I'm, not,
1: I'm not listening to Two Chains or anything like that. I, I haven't gotten completely off the deep end.
2: Well, that, that, we'll save that. That's an entirely different pod. Might maybe be a series of pods, but Two Chains was supposed <laughs> to have an album coming out over a month ago. He's now pushed it back twice. It was supposed to come out for the second time uh, this past Friday. There's been no explanation. Um, so I'm not, not super thrilled with what's going on with the Titty Boy right now, but uh, we will persevere. Uh, nonetheless, uh, some of you may be watching this on our YouTube channel, listening on the RotoWire NBA podcast feed. Um, if you are watching on YouTube, you know continue to uh, to help us get that off the ground. We appreciate all the views there. Um, James, before we get into draft talk today, there's not a ton of news going on right now, other than the ongoing dispute as to when next season is going to start. We should get a vote on that. It sounds like Thursday night or Friday morning. Whether that'll be. December 22nd or Martin Luther King Day in mid-January. But we did get a a little morsel of news from Shams Charania of Stadium and The Athletic earlier this morning. I I wouldn't say this is shocking, but to hear it from someone like Shams, as opposed to the speculation, uh, the Pelicans are now openly discussing Drew Holiday trades. And I think for a lot of contending teams, especially Holiday being on the block, was maybe wishful thinking the last few months. But I mean, for someone like Shams to come out and report it, I, I think this is pretty big news for, what, half the league, who who might view Drew Holiday as the piece that puts them over the top?
3: Yeah,
1: I mean, I, I think half the league would definitely love to have him. Um I think a chunk of that collection of teams wants to keep their 2021 cap space clear. So while he would be a good fit on teams like the Mavericks or the Raptors or the Heat. Like, I I don't really think that they – I think they have bigger fish kind of in mind for for that cap space. So, I mean, the team that everyone always brings up and the team that I, you know, kind of have thought of the most with regards to a holiday is probably the Nuggets. But I don't get any sense that they – are open to trading Michael Porter in that deal. So uh, I think they would probably have to include him to, to make that work. Um, Were there any teams that kind of came to mind for you? Well, well, first on Denver, I agree with you. I've, I
2: have not heard anyone suggest that they're willing to give up Porter, which is to me a little bit surprising. I mean, I, I understand, you know, holiday is not exactly, you know, James Harden or, or Kevin Durant or somebody like that, but, I think he kind of fits what they're missing. And, and obviously there was some minor controversy with Michael Porter as far as how he fits and, you know, maybe being a third guy for that team. If you were Denver, would you be okay with giving up Porter for a player
3: of holidays caliber? Uh, I think I would, um,
1: uh, you know, he's got the player option for 2021, 2022, I would want him to pick that up. Um, I'd want some sort of assurances maybe that he was going to pick that up before I did that deal. Cause I think Porter is, is a little overrated from a winning the NBA finals standpoint. I don't think he's overrated. Like I think he's a guy that could easily be a 30 point a game type of guy uh, at his peak, but I don't necessarily think it translates all that well to winning in, in the late playoffs, but, uh, and actually I think he'd be a pretty terrible fit in new Orleans anyway. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think I would, I think you have Jokic and Murray, like they're going to be on the roster for the next like five years. Um, so you're, you're always going to be in like Western conference finals contention, as long as you have that young nucleus there, but getting holiday, I think would vault them into legitimate. Like could win the finals next year uh, range where even though they went deep in the playoffs this year, I think that they're still kind of in that sort of like six, seven, eight range in terms of just ranking most likely teams to win the finals.
2: Yeah, I think their are limitations defensively, especially. And if they were to lose Jeremy Grant, I think this becomes even more salient. Uh, would be shored up with Holiday where, you know, you could argue that three years down the road, there's a good chance Michael Porter is a better one-to-one player than Drew Holiday. But in terms of the fit, yeah, I agree. I, I don't think, I mean, what is, what is Porter ceiling? Like if everything breaks right and he you know turns into a multi-time all-star, I mean, is he, does he kind of follow like the mellow path where he has some seasons? Maybe he wins a scoring title, you know, maybe he's giving you 29 and a half points and eight and a half rebounds, but he's averaging 2.1 assists and he's given you like less than one and a half steals and blocks. Like is is it going to be that type of thing?
1: Yeah, I I think the sum of the parts would probably equal kind of Carmelo if everything goes right. Um, probably a better, uh, better three point shooter than Melo. but you know, Melo was so deadly, um, kind of within twelve feet, sixteen feet, um. Quarter, maybe a bit better rebounder too, but uh, maybe even less plugged in on the defensive end than <laughs> Carmelo Anthony. So I think when it, when you add it all up, I think it would be something kind of close to Carmelo just from a real life value standpoint. A worse defending
2: Carmelo Anthony. When you put it that way, it's like yeah, like obviously every team to some degree. I spe- Carmelo came around at the perfect time where there there just wasn't right. There was some discussion about him being a bad defender it wasn't in the context of can you not win with this guy it was well he's giving you 30 so it's okay and i think people have kind of come around on that and when, when someone is so young like porter and, and has that kind of potential it's certainly hard to give up on it but you, you kind of have to do the long view and ultimately say like unless this guy makes major changes to his profile as a player the point the scoring is nice but he's never going to be the, especially given the context of this roster with Jokic and Murray he's never quite going to be the fit that you need.
1: Yeah and I and I don't like that. Like I don't like what that kind of where that's headed over the next year or two with with that team because I mean he's going to come in next year thinking that like he's deserves to be like the go-to guy. Um and I just don't think he's ever going to be okay with being the third guy which he should definitely be. I think he came team. into
2: this year trying to be the go-to yeah, guy.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So it's just, it's kind of a mess. Like, it, I'd rather just kind of get that headache. It's not a headache to have a, a player that talented, but, I mean, Drew Holiday would come right in and be totally cool being the third offensive option. Right. I think that that would just be a really nice fit.
2: So in terms of other teams uh, potentially fitting for Holiday, like I said at the top, you could make a case for just about every team, even even those that, that aren't all that close to contending. I mean, like at New Orleans... Every team has, historically, when Drew Holiday has become available, pretty much every team looks at him as as the type of guy who can fit on their roster. I, you know, I follow a lot of Milwaukee Bucks people on Twitter. There was a lot of quote tweeting, the Shams tweet from those people. And Milwaukee's going to be in the mix. I think Milwaukee's maybe one of the places Drew Holiday would like to play. But if there are five to ten teams that are ultimately bidding for his services in a trade, I don't know that Milwaukee, which can put out... I guess Eric Bledsoe. I don't know if that's very appealing to New Orleans. Dante Divincenzo is probably the number one player who would be on the table. You have the Pacers' pick, which is in the late twenties. You have some future flexibility in terms of picks, but you know if Giannis stays for at least a couple more years, those project to be late twenties, you know, possibly even thirty. Um, so there's not a ton of draft capital that's super appealing unless you start looking, you know, later into the decade. Uh, I, I just think as great of a fit as Drew Holiday would be. Milwaukee's going to get outbid by multiple teams uh, at the end of the day.
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, I think the last thing the Pelicans want is to bring in like three guys that all of a sudden need minutes. Cause they already have just sort of a kind of chart right now. And that they're going to have a hard time getting enough minutes to develop guys like the kill Alexander Walker next year as is. So uh, that doesn't seem appealing to me. Would if you were the Timberwolves, would you, or well, Timberwolves or Warriors, would you trade the first or second pick for like Drew Holiday? I think you'd need a little bit more than just Drew Holiday to get uh, the first or second pick because of just the contracts and the length of team control involved. Um, but I mean, I look at like James Wiseman as a type of guy where maybe that's the perfect. Fit next to Zion, um, now you'd have you'd have some issues stretching the floor if those are your two bigs. But uh, Wiseman could kind of just be the the defensive guy, and Zion could be the offensive guy, and they'd both just bring a ton of athleticism to the table. And I think that'd be interesting. I think uh, putting Drew Holiday on the Warriors would be pretty fascinating, but that would of course take them. Like they would no longer be able to trade for Bradley Beal in a few months, which I think would be kind of the, the goal there if I were them. Um, but where would you stand on a potential trade Drew Holiday to get up into that top two of the draft type of deal?
2: So if I'm New Orleans, I don't know that I'm scrambling to get into the top two or three. I don't know if there's anyone on the board who I love that much. Uh, I, I do think if there is somebody, it is Wiseman. I like that call. The other thing too, I mean, like from from Golden State's perspective, Obviously, they're all in on this year. They're here. Uh, I mean, Steph Curry is 33. He's a, a sneaky 33. Like, this isn't going to last forever. Their window isn't wide open. So, to me, the holiday contract, assuming he would opt in for that second year, you know, it would be a, certainly a win now move. But I, I think you're somewhat okay with that because you're not trading John ja Morant or Zion Williamson. You're, you're trading, you know, a player that you'd feel okay about in, in Wiseman or Edwards or Abijah or whoever it is. But you're not you're not trading like a guaranteed guy who could carry your franchise for the next decade so to me that's probably worth the trade-off I I love that you know Curry, Holiday, Thompson, Draymond is your top four what you'd have to do though is convince New Orleans to take back Andrew Wiggins and if I'm New Orleans I I wouldn't necessarily be thrilled about that money that I'm taking on I think that that contract's not necessarily going to get easier to trade over the next couple of years until he expires I, I think temporarily, you'd be setting yourself back. I mean, this is a franchise, I think, coming into last year, a lot of people thought they could finish, what, 6th, 7th, 8th, certainly in the Western Conference. If you're trading Holiday, you're bringing in another young player in Wiseman, you're bringing in Wiggins, you're you're probably not going to contend for another couple of years. So I I think that's something to keep in mind. So I like it more from Golden State's perspective, I guess, than I would for New Orleans in
1: that scenario. And I I do think, um, like, say the Warriors take... James Wiseman with the number two pick Uh, I think his value like I know everyone talks about the kind of drive it off the lot the 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 asset loses value as soon as the picks made type of thing I don't think James Wiseman would lose trade value on the Warriors I just think he'd be asked to do so little he'd be in such a advantageous situation Mm -hmm. I think his trade value would remain high and then I think the Timberwolves would probably get off to another mediocre start pick they have coming uh, next year from them starts to look even better, and all of a sudden you dangle Wiseman that that future T. Wolves pick, Mm
3: -hmm.
4: and
1: Wiggins Wiggins, again, like the Warriors is probably the best situation for him to sort of hold any trade value.
3: Mm -hmm. Um,
1: So you could maybe package those three to get Bradley Beal. like That'd be kind of what I would have my eye on on if I was the Warriors. Um, So that might be more more, uh, preferable. Yeah, I would
2: definitely rather have Bradley Beal right now than Holiday. Even though for the Warriors, there's there's a case to be made that Holiday is maybe a better fit. Um, I, I would I would be okay with with keeping the powder dry in that scenario. I mean, like, like I said, I'm I'm kind of looking at a list of teams now, and you can make a case for just about anybody. I think Miami would be in the mix, uh, and this kind of leads us into the discussion of when we're talking about the, the number one and the number two picks specifically, because those seem to be somewhat on the market, uh, especially number two. In the context of Holiday or or other players, like who is the best player in the league that you'd give up the number one or number two pick for in this draft? And this was brought up on uh, on the Simmons pod earlier this week, where uh, they kind of picked the perfect guy. They said, if Tyler Hero was in this draft, would he go number one? And then the follow-up is, if you're Miami, would you trade Tyler Hero for the number one pick? I don't think I would.
1: Yeah, I I don't think I would either. Uh, So other than holiday um the the three guys that i came up with are all big men um porzingis gobert and Ayton. uh
3: but i don't
1: but i don't think um like trading up for number one you're not going to trade a big man and trading up to number two i don't think the Warriors would I think the Warriors would rather just make the pick and take Wiseman than than, um, bring on one of those three but uh, those are the three I came up with where if I were in the shoes of the team that had those guys I would rather swap them out for for a guy like Wiseman or or LaMelo
2: yeah I think of it as more of a vacuum you're not really worrying about whether or not Minnesota or Golden State would accept the trade it's just the number one or number two pick is on the table. All you have to do is give that player up and you get it. Porzingis is interesting. I, I don't think I would do that. I wouldn't do Aiden either. You know I love Aiden. And I'm, him being a cat, I'm surprised that you don't like him more. Like, You think there's a pretty good chance that, that Wiseman or Edwards or Ball ends up being significantly better than, than those guys?
1: Um, well, with Porzingis, it's just kind of a, a risk management thing. Like, I, I think Porzingis at his best is better Mm -hmm. than those guys but i just am really worried about his durability and you just you don't want to have like multiple playoff runs where you just kind of get bounced because he's unavailable and so Mm -hmm. um i think honestly i think like a luca wiseman like that that'd be just a a deadly pick and roll obviously but i think maxi Kleba is like the perfect big to to start next to Wiseman because he's such a good three-point shooter. He can play away from the basket. He's durable. And so I I think that that's a a really nice fit that I'd be pretty intrigued by. And I think the Mavericks, like, they're – they don't want to push too hard to try to, like, start winning titles, like, this year next year. They want to set it up. Three years from now, they're, like, the favorite to win the the finals, which – Mm -hmm. Um, I think, I think that's feasible if you, if you swap out Porzingis for, for Wiseman. And then, um, I just, I just don't think Aiton's a guy that is going to be good at all in the playoffs. So I I would, I think Wiseman's got a much higher playoff ceiling than Aiton. I think Aiton's a better fantasy guy. Like I think Aiton's, you know, the, the points and the rebounds and everything, but I just think he's going to be a, a guy where there's a gigantic gap between his Mm -hmm. regular season value and his playoff value and go bear like i just don't want to be the person that gives him whatever his next contract's going to be so i would i would happily get off of that for, for a younger guy. Yeah.
2: the go bear one's super interesting because i think if you're the jazz you're you could maybe talk yourself into like we're too good to give up go bear even though i've i share the same concerns that you do i would not want to be the team that gives him his next contract and and beyond that there's still for as decent of the team as they've been. And, you know, I know they didn't even make it out of the first round this past year. Like, I mean, I think it would just be a tough sell. You know, you have Donovan Mitchell, who's kind of entering his, what you would believe to be his prime. And then to kind of hit the reset like that on the fly, especially for a team like the Jazz that historically doesn't do things like that, I think would be difficult. But looking ahead, I mean, you have to look yourself in the mirror. And it's like, is, is that team going to the finals in the West next year? I don't think a healthy Bogdanovich really makes a difference.
1: No, no. I mean, I, I think you, if you can kind of get assets for Gobert now, and just kind of take a bit more of a long view approach than with with Mitchell, like you're saying, like yeah, you know, it's just it's not realistic to push through with this current group they got. I, I thought they made a valiant effort with with Bogdanovich and trying to put a, a team together to compete this year, but just you know things didn't break that way and. um I mean, maybe they're fine with just kind of being uh, a Memphis Grizzlies type of team that wins like around 50 games for the next three years with that core. And yeah, you know, I I mean, that's that's one way to look at it. But I I just think that cashing him out now would would probably be my preference.
2: So here are the three names that I came up with, and I I still don't know exactly how I feel about them. I just want to gauge your thoughts. So this is, again, potentially for the number one or number two pick. Zach Levine, CJ McCollum, John Collins.
3: uh i would i'd much rather have the number one
1: pick than levine or collins um okay i just i think that they're incredibly flawed players that are very difficult to build around i mean levine i think could be a uh like a fourth guy on a good team if he's got good defenders around him and um but i i just yeah see where i'm 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 going with that is zach zach levine
2: to the warriors (laughs) Um, hmm. is he one of those guys that goes to the warriors and then you start to feel better about him because of who's around him or does he go there and can't function because he can't shoot 25 times a game
1: i i've long just loved Levine's offensive skill set as a as a scorer like i think he's just so uh talented um you had uh, 20,
2: 26 a game this past year
1: yeah and he can he can get a shot whenever he wants he's you know he can he can score from all three levels shot selections an issue but i mean he's just he's such a bad defender like i don't think i mean he's a worse defender than steph <laughs> like yeah. like you'd have to put steph on like you wouldn't be able to hide Steph on the worst guy. You'd have to hide Levine on the worst guy.
2: I feel like I feel like their effort levels are the same, but Steph is just so much smarter. Like I don't think I don't think Levine loafs it all that much. I think he's been in some bad spots, like coaching and system wise. But I don't I don't think he's like any, everything You hear about him, like he's one of the hardest workers.
3: Yeah,
1: I mean maybe maybe that's true. Maybe, and you know, maybe uh, you know he's had pretty mediocre coaching his whole ah uh, yeah career too, right? So <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I don't hate the idea of like a good team having Zach Levine and trying to reach another level with him, but I don't think I'm giving up the number two overall pick to to roll that dice and bring and pair Levine with Wiggins again. Like, I I don't feel that great about my culture to to,
3: to mm-hmm.
1: pay the number two overall pick for him. Um, I mean Collins, I think he's going to be a guy that is. Uh, very easy to trade for uh, coming up here because it's just so tough to envision him and Trey young being on a team that defends at even like a top half level, let alone like a top 20 level. Um, and then McCollum oh, man, how much is left on his deal?
2: I'm trying to find that right now. And I was looking up his age first. So he just turned 29 in mid September for what that's worth. Um, I think he has a few years left. I want to say he he had an extension that just kicked in fairly recently, but let me let me verify that. I mean, with that, like the question is kind of the same thing that you're asking with Utah, where you have Damian Lillard, who's in his absolute prime, coming off the best season of his career. You kind of seem to have hit your ceiling, but at the same time, I think it's tough to look Damian Lillard in the eye and be like, we're going to trade the second best player on the team for a chance at James Wiseman.
1: Right. I, I just don't, yeah, I don't think if I'm the team with the draft pick, I could see myself doing it uh, to get McCollum, but uh, Portland is in a really tough spot because they're sort of built to win now. They're just, they just don't have enough pieces to win the whole thing. Um, and then, you know, Wiseman, like not really a great fit there. LaMelo, not really a great fit there. Uh, I think if you're trading McCollum, you're trying to just, trade him for a, a wing who defends a little bit better, basically, and they're about the same yeah. age. Um, so I, I don't think trading him for a draft pick makes a ton of sense from Portland's perspective.
2: So he makes 31 this coming year, um, or 30 this coming year, 31, 21, 22, 33 the year after, and then 35.8 in the final year. So he has four full years remaining on
1: that deal. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a nice piece for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the Warriors would, would consider something like that because mm-hmm. you would have, you know, one of the best offenses of all time just by having him, Clay, and Steph together. Right. But, uh, I mean, the Blazers have had, like, historically good offenses with just having Lillard and McCollum. Right. Uh, but, you know... Are they willing to sort of settle? Because they, they're, they're saving everything for like whoever this next big piece is going to be,
3: mm-hmm.
1: uh, whoever they end up including Andrew Wiggins in a deal for. And are they willing to settle for McCollum, or do they want to aim a little bit higher? I think that's the question.
2: The RotoWire NBA podcast is brought to you by BetMGM. The long wait is over, football is back, and new customers at BetMGM Sports can kick off the season with a 100% deposit match up to $500. Simply sign up and make a deposit with the bonus code ROTOWIRE, that's R-O-T-O-W-I-R-E, ROTOWIRE, to take advantage of this offer. There's never been a better time to get in on the action at BetMGM with parlay bonus payouts, live betting, daily boosted odds specials, and much more. Don't let one minute of the NFL season pass you by. Download the BetMGM app today or go to betmgm.com and use promo code rotowire to double your betting bankroll with a 100% deposit match up to $500. You must be 21 or older and physically located in Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, Nevada, or West Virginia. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado and Nevada, 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey and West Virginia. Or 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Promotional offer not available in the state of Nevada. Uh, so in, in the Q&A that we published on the site on Tuesday, uh, we, you and I just answered five questions. And one of them was in regard to uh, which teams could move up in this draft. So, you know, as opposed to targeting veteran players like we just talked about, you know, a team that, if Lamella Ball or Evdija or Wiseman or whoever falls out of the top four or five, uh, where we think the trade zone could be, you know, Atlanta at number six is a team that's pretty openly uh, trying to shop that pick. So if somebody were to fall, you know, who are the teams on your radar that could potentially jump up from lower in the draft to to grab one of those guys? Or you know, it could be someone like Obi Toppin or Isaac Okoro, uh, you know, whoever uh, one of those teams might like. Tyrese Halliburton.
1: Yeah, I, you know, I think the two teams that you know desperately wish they were picking higher in this draft and are desperate for some sort of guy that they can talk themselves into being a star long-term are the Pistons and the Knicks, mm-hmm. uh, seven and eight. Like, I think there'll be good players there obviously, but maybe they don't see a guy there that they can talk themselves into being a star. So if they're in love with one of those guys, I'm sure they would try to trade up, um, you know, I, I think it's just going to be really interesting. I, I think, like, LaMelo Ball is someone that I would, if it seems like the top teams are not that high on, which I, I'm hesitant to buy into that, uh, those rumors. Like, I, I know, uh, I think Jonathan Gavoni said on Windhorst's podcast that, like, LaMelo's barely worked out for anyone. So, like, these are basically untrue rumors that he's falling because of bad workouts. Um, but If there was a team mid, mid first round that uh, believes in Lamelo's upside, it could just be a surprise team that we're not even really thinking about. I think it just comes Mm -hmm. down to these teams' evaluations of guys. I mean, we've seen Danny Ainge and like the Mavs do stuff in the past where if there's a guy they really like, they'll make a trade to kind of um, Mm -hmm. make it easier to to get that guy. Um, I mean, like the Spurs never trade. I, I don't really see either of the top guys being a fit for the suns i don't see the wizards like making that kind of making that kind of splash um so i you know it might be a mystery team lower down but i think the the knicks and the pistons are the two teams that would love to be able to lead this draft and talk mm-hmm. themselves into just getting a guy that's going to turn the franchise around so the teams that I threw out were
2: Boston. I think that's the most obvious one just because they own 14, they own 26, and they own 30. The question is, are those picks appealing enough to get you to where you want to be? Like, I think they're a team that could maybe not move into the top three or five, but they could move from like 14 to eight or nine if they have somebody you know, who slips a little bit in that range. I, to me, in this draft, I don't think that combination, especially those last two, 26 and 30, are appealing enough to to vault you uh, to maybe where it would in a normal draft, um, but they're they're a team to monitor just because of the picks. San Antonio, I, like you said, the Spurs don't normally trade up. I don't I don't think it happens, but you do have two veteran pieces in DeRozan and Aldridge, uh, who could both be on the table trade wise. And then you start getting into matching money. You know, you're not going to trade DeRozan straight up for a pick. You know, you'd have to throw in another contract, and that that gets more complicated. But you know, Atlanta seemingly wants a win now piece. They want to go for the eight seed next year. That's one. I know. I know. I feel the same way. But uh, this is why I'm glad we're doing video. I could see your reaction in person. Um, but I mean, I, I was going to say DeMar DeRozan makes sense for them. He doesn't at all. But the way that they're thinking, he might. You know, that's the type of trade I think that Atlanta might be trying to work. So San Antonio's one to monitor. Phoenix at 10. I, I know you. you said you don't see that happening. Again, not another one I would bank on, but they do have the Kelly Ubre expiring that you could throw in a trade. I think maybe you, you add that as the sweetener and you go get your next Kelly Ubre. Maybe if they want to move up and grab an Isaac Okoro, somebody like that, uh, a few spots. Um, and then the Thunder at 25, who only have that one pick in the first round, but then you look at all the picks that they have from the Paul George trade, um, and then you know potentially a Chris Paul trade or a Stephen Adams trade, uh, before the draft so they'll they'll certainly have firepower as does new orleans at 13 with the future picks
1: yeah i think those are all those all make sense i mean it, i think you're right about the celtics like they would love to package those picks and move up um even if it just meant all three of those and they move up from like 14 to eight or something like that like i think that they might consider doing that just because they don't want to bring in three rookies that they have to then mm-hmm. pay and like I mean, they've already got a bunch of guys that are kind of that talent level. Um, I mean, like a team like the Cavs just desperately needs talent, like like more than just one guy. Like they need like two or three guys. So right. if those picks were all like in the top 20, I could see them packed in those three to move up to five, maybe. But uh, like you said, I think all of the guys that these smart teams are going to covet in the mid first round are going to be gone by the Celtics' second pick.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: All right. So another question in that Q&A, uh, if everything breaks right, you're assuming all goes well, the fit is good, the development uh, goes on, on you know, uh, the type of path that you would want. Which prospect has the absolute highest ceiling in this draft?
1: So I I think Lamello and Wiseman have similarly high ceilings, but I would I would favor the primary ball handler over the center there um i think like we already know about Lamelo's passing and his size and his and his handle um so it's a nice place to start but it like the two big questions are what's his defense going to be like and how well is he going to shoot it from three and if you're just talking like best case scenario i mean his brother shot thirty eight percent from three last year so let's just say Lamelo is a 38 percent three-point shooter off the dribble and he's one of the best passers in the league one of the best dribblers in the league and uh let's just say he's like a tiny bit worse defensively than his brother like i think all of a sudden you're talking about an all nba type of player there because he's going to be averaging 10 plus assists he's going to be scoring like 25 mm-hmm. points um so I mean, I think there's there's just a lot you can really dream on there with Lamelo. Um, I mean, there's certainly a scenario where he doesn't shoot that well, and he's kind of more like Ricky Rubio or Rajon Rondo. But um, he's definitely shown a obviously he's shown a willingness to to get those shots up. Like he's not he's not passive like Lonzo is. Like he's he's very. <laughs> uh, willing to penetrate into the lane. He's, he's definitely um, more than willing to get shots up from behind the arc. So the quantity, the volume is going to be there. And I think the hope is that you just get him into a system where he understands, like, this is not a good shot. You can We can do better than this one, like improve his shot selection, um, continue to work with him on, on his form and his consistency with his release and everything like that and you just kind of develop him into a – like, he he doesn't have to be one of the best shooters in the league. If he's just a guy that you have to respect from out there off the dribble, then that just opens up the rest of his game in a way mm-hmm. that would just be pretty devastating. I mean, he, he could be one of the best players in the league at making his teammates better. Like, I, I think that we, we've seen that on video already from what he did mm-hmm. in Australia. Um So I, I would go with Ball, but, I mean, I think – like, I, I think Wiseman – Like there is some David Robinson potential there. Um, So I think that that's a heck of a player, Uh, even if the shot and I'm not really even factoring in him being a good three point shooter with, with Wiseman ceiling. You just hope that he's able to um, improve his agility a little bit so that he can be a better defender uh, when he gets switched on to smaller guys. But I think the rest of the tools are there for him to just be a, a really dynamic two way center.
2: So going back to Lamelo real quickly, what do you think his his rookie season looks like statistically? I, I feel like there's a pretty good chance he he has a a very poor rookie year. Shows shows some flashes, kind of similar to Lonzo, uh, in a lot of ways. Like you said, I, I think the the big difference with them, like Lonzo was was a more proven prospect. Had an incredible season at UCLA that that ultimately boosted him to the number two pick. Uh, but when he got to the NBA, there was that immediate timidness about not only shooting threes, but shooting in general, getting to the rim. I mean, his free throw rate is historically low for any guard. With LaMelo, I, I think you almost have the opposite concern, where the efficiency probably won't be there, but he's not going to shy away from it at all. Like, whereas with Lonzo, I think we, we even praised him his rookie year, where it was like, all right, well, if, if he's not going to make free throws, at least he's not getting there eight times a game and hitting 40% of them. You know, like, he kind of knew his strengths and stuck to him, whereas with LaMelo, I think there's this concern that he might be a little more reckless as a player.
1: Yeah, that's right. Like, I, I think you're right about his rookie season. I think that there will be, like, I don't think any of the guys that are going to go super high um, are going to look like future all-stars in their rookie season. I, I think the
2: rookie of the year comes from the middle of the first round.
1: Yeah, 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 for sure. Uh, it's going to be a, a player who played multiple years in college probably. Yeah. Um, But I think, you know, I think the passing and, like, there will be some – some big time wild plays almost on a on a per game basis with him and you just have to believe in in the efficiency eventually getting there with the jumper so i mean i think you shouldn't panic like the expectation with him uh shouldn't be that he just comes out and is like a 35% three point shooter as a rookie like that's yeah. that's unrealistic um so i i do think the the field goal percentage three point percentage are going to be pretty mediocre as a rookie but um you know you hope to build on that uh, second year third year and i think by the third year is probably when you hope that he's kind of rounding into form
2: is it fair to say that Lamelo may have the lowest floor of any player in the draft
3: no i, I think <laughs> that i think there's a
2: massive there. i think there's a massive potential that this goes I like, think- horribly wrong
1: I think there's, I think Anthony Edwards has a way lower floor than Lamelo. I don't know. Um,
2: I don't think so. Because I think, I think Anthony Lamello's, Edwards could at least be like Alec Burks if it comes down to it.
1: Well, Lamello's passing, like, I think Ricky Rubio is Lamelo's floor. Like, I really do. Like, and, and Ricky Rubio's had a long career.
2: I think there's a chance he's worse than Ricky Rubio for, for a number of, like, some of those being, like, non-basketball reasons, if that makes sense.
1: I mean, I... I think anything to do with like his family is completely overblown.
2: Not, um, not the family like, necessarily. I, I mean the interviews have been weird. Like he just doesn't I feel like if, if things go wrong for him early, I,
1: I don't necessarily trust him to correct it. Like I think Anthony Edwards could be playing in the D League in the in the G League like 2 years from now on a second yeah. team. Like <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean I'm not, I can't disagree with you on that. And he,
2: and he was my answer for a player with the highest ceiling. I think there's like a 5% to 10% chance he reaches that ceiling. But I think physically and athletically, that's basically what's making him the potential number one pick. It's not really the production or the tape or the work ethic. It's this guy looks like an NBA star guard.
1: And that's where most of those big busts happen up near right. the top of the draft.
2: Yeah, I would bet on him being a bust. But I, I think if things were to break right, he has the physical tools that the other guards in this
1: draft don't have. Yeah, he's definitely a better athlete. Right. And I mean, it's like saying Darryl
2: Green could be the best player in his draft if everything broke right, if he became super sure. skilled because he has that athleticism.
1: Right. Yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, the reason that even, even like, I can sort of see, if, if I really am optimistic, I could sort of see Edwards getting there as a scorer, but he's never going to be this guy that's averaging, like, seven or eight assists a game. Oh, no. That like, was, that's – so, like – to me, that that gives LaMelo the higher ceiling because he could be that complete offensive hub where I think even in a best-case scenario, Edwards is still a gunner.
3: Yeah.
2: Yeah, big-time gunner. I think Edwards is the type of player that would have been significantly more appealing circa 2003.
3: Oh, yeah. Yeah,
2: watched a lot of Monte Ellis tape growing up. <laughs> uh, so yeah, who are some guys later in the first round or looking into the second who, who we didn't touch on last week or we haven't really given much shine to that you want to hit on?
3: Um, you know, I think, I think uh, this draft's been
1: so dissected and, and analyzed for so long because of, of uh, the pandemic that I think most of the guys who back in June – might've been projected to go in the second round
3: mm-hmm.
1: uh, are now projected to go kind of middle of the first round, like uh Tyrell Terry and Desmond Bain and guys like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I still think, uh, Jemais Ramsey, I have no idea where he's going to go. Like he could go from like 15 to 40. Um, and if he, if he's going late, then I think that that's a steal. Uh You know, I think, like, Tyshawn Alexander uh, from Creighton is a guy where if I was picking, like, first or second pick of the second round, he'd be my guy because um, probably not a starter, but a guy that could be in anyone's rotation a couple years from now just because he can play on the ball, he can play off the ball, he can guard ones and twos. Um, So I think that that's that's the type of guy that I'd like to walk away from um, second round. Um. Yeah, I think Malachi Flynn maybe is maybe is hanging around there.
3: Like, oh yeah, he's, he's got, hanging around.
1: He's got uh, that sort of multi-year college guy who really knows and feels the game and is going to work hard and and be a good teammate. Like he he's got all those types of traits. And uh, like, if you just want to take a wing who can shoot, I think Elijah Hughes from Syracuse is someone that you could just put put on your bench maybe g league for for the first year and and eventually he's kind of um just that that floor spacer who can guard twos and threes uh yeah i don't know anyone else come to mind for you
2: well it's an exciting time to be a team like the lakers who normally at the end of the first (laughs) round you're just you're, you're you're taking like a draft and stash guy or something like there's you're gonna have some options for guys who could legitimately be your eighth or ninth man next season and you know malachi flynn is a guy who i highlighted I think it's interesting and I, I wouldn't necessarily like be lining up to to take this guy at twenty, but Vernon Carey at Duke had an incredible freshman year. And the way that the college basketball season ended so unceremoniously, I, I feel like a lot of people don't even realize how good he was. Players like him have been essentially phased out of the league. I mean, he's a, a pretty much back to the basket center who gave the you, you know, gave Duke like nineteen and ten Last year, super athletic, though, um, and, you know, a, a guy who five or 10, certainly 10 years ago, maybe even five years ago, would have been in co- the conversation for the number one pick. I mean, he had a Jalil oh, yeah. Okafor type of season, and I, I think on, on one hand, it's great that he's not in the conversation anymore because it wasn't that long ago that Jalil Okafor almost went number one. Uh, but at the same time, I, I still think there's a place in the league for those guys. You know, it, it's it's just kind of it's kind of puzzling that you can be that good and there's you know I think I've seen him slotted like 55th on some draft boards. That's a little too low.
1: Is he that athletic though, compared to the players he'd be playing against in the NBA? No,
2: no. I mean, he's not a super athlete by any means. It, it, for him, it's more about the combination of strength and size. I mean, he goes 270. He's he's huge for his size. So you know, it's more of like a demarcus cousins type of build as opposed to uh, i don't know clint capella you know he's not going to be like skying over guys but he moves very well for being 270 pounds is is kind of the case
1: i just think he's the type of guy where you don't if you're the general manager do you want to give your coach the option of playing him like i like i almost would be like i just don't want my coach to be running Mm -hmm. post-ups for this guy like Like I I don't, that, that has nothing to do with the way we run our offense. Like he doesn't fit our scheme. Like he doesn't fit our defensive scheme. Like if he was a rim protector, it'd be one thing, but he's, he's kind of just points and rebounds. And so, yeah, I think, I think you're totally right about like, if this draft was happening in 2002, he'd be a top five pick for sure. Uh, But I think teams, teams are still going to make mistakes and take some big men higher than they should I think in this draft but I think they've they've smartened up enough to sort of the carry types fade to the second round I don't think yeah. he's a bad pick in the second round because I don't think you know this draft it, it, the strength of this draft is kind of in the like 8 to 20 range and so once you kind of get past there mm-hmm. I mean you can make a case for lots of guys but you know I, I look at a guy like sort of like Caleb Swanigan like I mean, he I knew was, we were going to go there. He was just <laughs> completely like phased out of, of NBA basketball, like yeah, pretty much immediately. Yeah, yeah. So like, I could see that happening with Kerry.
2: Yeah, that's fair. And, I, and honestly, I, I think Kerry is a little bit of a better athlete, but Swanigan was a better all around player. I, I mean, he was a force at Purdue. There's no two ways about it better passer, <laughs> more developed. Yeah, no, um, no two what, ways about it. What about the, the heady white point guard? Division, which this year is a little bit light, but it does feature uh, a cat in Nico Mannion and an Oregon duck in in Peyton Pritchard. Mannion being a freshman, Pritchard being an upperclassman, kind of at the opposite end there. Um, and I will say, Nico Mannion isn't your typical white point guard. You know, Peyton Pritchard is the prototype. You know, he is the you know the like the the guy that you've seen th- come through college basketball a thousand times over the last twenty years. Uh, what are your what are your thoughts on Mannion, who? I mean, early in the season was looking like a borderline lottery pick, and I, I think has properly slid down to, you know, final ten picks of the first round, maybe early second.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm not a fan of Mannion, and I think if if he wasn't such a uh, like a high pedigree recruit, like if, if he didn't have all those accolades, I don't think anyone would even be talking about him like in the top 50. I think it's just he's still yeah. kind of riding um that that acclaim uh that he came into college with. Like I don't think he's good enough to be a point guard. I don't think he's going to shoot well enough to be a two guard. Maybe he could be your your backup point guard uh, on a bad team or something like that, but uh, I'm not I'm not really interested in, in Mannion at all. Uh, Pritchard just because he can shoot i think is a bit more interesting but you know i mean what at the end of the day what what role is he going to play on a solid nba team i mean he's not going to guard anyone you don't you don't want him to be your your point guard so he's kind of just relegated to catch and shoot duty
2: and with manion he's in the dylan brooks zone his wingspan is shorter than his height
1: big red flag (laughs) That, that should be his nickname, the red flag. <laughs> uh,
2: I love that. Uh, so we, the one kind of lottery guy that we, I don't think we've touched on at all is Kira Lewis from Alabama. He, he kind of slipped through the cracks on us last week, but you almost universally see him mocked in the 10 to 20 range, usually right in the middle of that range. Um, a lot to like, certainly. I, I think one of the knocks against him is, is you know you compare him to someone like Tyrese Maxey, they look kind of similar. They played in the same conference. They're the same height. They have the same wingspan. Tyrese Maxey weighs like thirty more pounds than Kira Lewis, and Tyrese Maxey isn't like a guy who looks huge, but Lewis is noticeably thin. I think that's a little bit of a concern. Um, and when you talk about you know high school pedigree, like with Mannion, and I totally agree. That's that's usually where these draft classes start. Is you just sort by like high school recruit ranking and then pick apart from there. And, you know, you mentioned Tyrell Terry as someone who I think has benefited a ton from the extended draft process. You know, the more you look at him, the more you want to bump him up. I think with Mannion, it's like if the draft had taken place in June, maybe he goes higher. You know, I think there's been more time to bump him down. Lewis, uh, you know, he is a sophomore, not a one and done. It was a guy who was I think he ranked like 40th overall. Um, so certainly has been on the NBA radar, but not someone that that anyone expected to come out after year one uh, and, you know, it was kind of 50, 50 for this year. I see some, some De'Aaron Fox in Kira Lewis at best. Um, you know, you see a little bit of Colin Sexton, another Alabama guy, uh, similar size to, to both of those players. Uh, where, where are you at on Kira Lewis in terms of his upside?
1: Um, probably one of my favorite comps in this draft is, uh, Dennis Schroeder uh, and Kira mm-hmm. Lewis. Uh especially yeah. if you're just talking like physically. It like that's that's the type of body we're talking about. And um I would I would just project him to be a really solid backup point guard for a while in the league. Like I think he's gonna have a long career. Um mm-hmm. maybe he lands on some bad teams and he starts here and there, but um I don't I don't think the sum of the parts equals Like, point guard in the NBA is just incredibly deep. Like, if you want to be a starting point guard um, for any length of time, like, it's a pretty high bar to clear. And I I don't think he quite clears it, but, Mm -hmm. um, like, I think he's safer than someone like Cole Anthony, um, who's probably going to go in the same range, but probably has a a bit lower ceiling.
2: Yeah, yeah, I think that's spot on. Uh, You mentioned the Schroeder comp. Uh, on the other side of that, like who are some of the worst cops that you've seen thrown out for for any of these
1: prospects, especially in the lottery? well, the the two that i I just I keep hearing them, and they don't make any sense to me. Um, and they're on the two top big men in this class. I've heard Chris Bosch for James Wiseman, and it just doesn't make any sense to me. It's like, mm-hmm. are we talking about the same Chris Bosch? Like Chris Bosch was such a versatile big man like he could have played like he he obviously um like he could play on the perimeter he was just this guy that could switch on to to smaller players like he was um like he could play in any part of the court like he could be in the post he could be in the mid-range he could be like out of the corner um just an incredibly smart defender all that stuff like and 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 also i think wiseman's just a better athlete and has better measurables so i just I don't see where that comp comes from, really. If you're talking just size, athleticism, game, offense, defense, like it just—it's mm-hmm. a really confusing one to me. And then uh, the Akangwu and Bam comps just continue to to drive me nuts because it's like you're just comparing like they have similar measurables, and that's basically where it ends for me. Like you're not like Akangwu might you know, he might be a better um, help shot blocker maybe than, than out of bio, but like worse at everything else. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah, I just, I, I think the fact that those two comps like keep coming up when I, when I'm listening to podcasts and reading articles, like I just, I shake my head every time I hear those two.
2: Yeah. I, I don't have any that come to mind that I've just completely rejected. Those, those are great though. The the boss one I actually hadn't seen on Wiseman
1: Well, I heard, so I heard, uh, like, Sam Vecini has mentioned it multiple times. And and then I heard, uh, I think I heard Gavoni, like, talking about how he's seen it a lot and thinks it's terrible. And, like, it's just very unimaginative to me to, like, Mm -hmm. that's the one you settle on. There's so many big men that have come through in the last, like, 20 years. And uh, I just, it doesn't really make any sense to me.
2: I mean is it just the left handedness? Is it that simple?
1: I guess. I mean, do you agree with me like about just if we're talking um size and like explosiveness. Wiseman as a prospect versus like Bosch as a prospect like I just I don't think it's like I said mm-hmm. like De- like David Robinson is is kind of physically the the type of player that I see Wiseman mm-hmm. Um, developing into I don't yeah. think the game might not get there obviously Robinson's an, an all-time well, the, great the but.
2: physicality with Robinson seems like it was on another level and part of it is we just we didn't get to see Wiseman for a real sample you know you're the most of the tape you're going to see on him is like high school or McDonald's game or Jordan brand classic like it's so hard to judge that but the other thing with Robinson too is he came into the league as an older player you know much much more just solid athletically and and I, I think Wiseman could get there, but I think like historically, like David Robinson is such a unique player and such a unique personality. Like, do we really do we think James Wiseman is ever going to put that kind of time into his body? Like, David Robinson has like a top three NBA body ever, and I think that's part of what made him so good.
1: Well, I've, I've definitely um, seen some videos of Wiseman working on his body this this summer, yeah. and it's very impressive. Um, Mostly the upper body,
2: legs are still looking very skinny. <laughs>
1: yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, you want to work on the the lower body, but I think it's just like agility training is like what I would just have him doing. Like I would just have him doing tons of cardio, just tons of like cone drills and stuff like that. Uh, just get better at moving his feet and kind of keeping a sound defensive stance when he's when he's guarding smaller players, but. Um like Wiseman to me is like he he's the type of guy where you know at the end of a season like NBA.com will do like the 50 best dunks of the year. Like I could yeah. see Wiseman having like five of the 50 best dunks of the year, whereas yeah. that just wasn't who Chris Bosch was at all. <laughs> like right.
2: And I, I think Toronto at in early Chris Bosch was a little more that guy, but by the time he got to the heat, no, he, I mean he he had put on weight, he was playing more center. Um certainly I, I think athletically Wiseman is, is really not the same player at all. So the two comps that the ringer threw out for him, mild mannered Rashid Wallace,
3: high energy Hassan Whiteside. Um I don't I don't really get the Rashid one. Uh
1: I could see the I could see the white side as sort of like a floor um yeah. but i mean rashid he was an awesome defense like they could both be awesome defenders but i think they will do it in a very different way like Rashid was just so smart and so strong yeah. and so savvy like he, you know i mean like he gave guys like kevin garnett fits even though they were way better athletes than him Like Rashid Wallace's athleticism, even when he was at North Carolina, versus James Wiseman's athleticism, it's like two different ballparks. And then Rashid was uh, like a big time stretch guy later in his career, and actually even like in Portland, like he was stretching to like 18 feet. Um, Before that was common at all for guys his size. Like if if Rashid came up today, he would go into the draft as a guy where people were like, yeah, he's definitely a guy that's going to be able to stretch the floor. Whereas yeah. with Wiseman, that's still a question
2: mark. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you on that. And when I think Rashid, I, I picture, you know, back to the basket, that that long kind of over-the-top fadeaway. Like, I, I don't ever picture Wiseman, maybe maybe you don't want him taking that shot in today's NBA, but I don't think he's ever going to have that level of, like, offensive versatility and, and dexterity.
3: Yeah, agreed.
2: Um, all right, what else we got here? Let's, let's look at some of the props that are available for the NBA draft. And there aren't too many. If you look around, uh, we'll go to our our friends at the DraftKings Sportsbook. They've had the three uh, same props up for for quite a while, and and maybe there'll be more added in the next two weeks here. But uh, you can bet on who will be the first overall pick. You can bet on a few players' draft position. You know, over under a certain number. Uh, then there are a few specials. You know, how many freshmen will be drafted in the top ten? How many international players drafted in the top ten? Uh, but let's look at the first overall pick odds first. Anthony Edwards. A fairly heavy favorite right now at minus 235. You have Lamello at plus 195. Wiseman plus 785, which seems like pretty good odds if, if you're a betting man. Uh, and then there's a pretty big drop off. You have Abdesia at 50 to 1. Toppin at 100 to 1. Hayes at 100 to 1. Okongwu, 200. Okoro, 200. Um, and then Cole Anthony, of all
1: people, at 300 to 1. <laughs> so. So the only one on there that I would touch is Wiseman at plus seven eighty five. I actually think on yeah. Fanduel, I think on Fanduel he's like half those odds. Like I think he might be like plus three fifty or something. So seven eighty five's a lot. Like obviously the Timberwolves aren't taking him, but if anyone trades up to one, I think they're taking Wiseman. Right. So it's That's like, is it, is it is it plus seven eighty? Like it's basically plus seven eighty five that someone trades up for the number one pick.
2: Sure. And I think
1: when you compare the odds to Edwards, like minus 235 for Edwards is is way too much. Right. Like Edwards would definitely be my pick to go number one as he was in the mock draft we did. But that you're just not getting any value there at at minus 235 because like they they could definitely. You know, there's been a lot of smoke out there, but I mean, they could definitely take ball. Um, They could definitely trade down. There's just there are ways where they don't go Edwards. and Do then you- like like i would I, I don't think Edwards falls out of the top three, but like i'm I'm so low on him that it wouldn't surprise me a ton, so like if he was minus one thirty five to go first, I might like that, but I, I just think you're paying uh too much of a premium there. So if you
2: buy the notion that there might be some Anthony Bennett potential where we, you know, the Timberwolves or whoever are on the clock at one and we have no idea where this is going to go. You know, it might be Nerlens Noel, who I think ended up going like sixth in that draft. And I, a lot of people thought he was going to go number one, he, he, similar to Wiseman in this class. If it's not any of those top three, who could potentially be the Anthony Bennett who surprises everybody and goes number one to Minnesota or another team that would trade up?
3: Um. Maybe maybe Isaac Okoro. Um,
2: that would be the most like, unexpected number one pick ever. I think that would supplant Bennett.
1: Yeah, I mean, Isaac Okoro or Tyrese Halliburton, I think, would probably be yeah. the two that I'd throw out there. I mean, you, if you're the Timberwolves, you could definitely talk yourself into, like, our defense is a disaster. D'Angelo Russell and Anthony Towns just are never going to be good defenders. Isaac Okoro is going to be able to guard the other team's best player every night. And we hope that the jumper comes around. Like right? Coral is just such a tough guy to evaluate because if you're, if, if you're an NBA team and you think that you can get him to be a 35% three point shooter in a couple of years, mm. then there's a case for him to be the first pick. Uh, but if, you just don't think the jumper's ever going to come around. You can't really even take him in the top five. Yeah. And Halliburton... Halliburton's, like, the equivalent of pulling out your, like, five iron on, like, a 350-yard par four, where you're just, like, I'm terrible at hitting my driver. <laughs> just going to lay up. I, I want to try to get a bogey on this hole. Like, yeah, that would be taking Halliburton with the first pick, uh, which...
2: Look, you know, I know, <laughs> to see a team do that at some point. I really do, because I, I think... Teams are are getting progressively smarter with the draft. And maybe this is another decade away, but I I think at some point we're going to see a team do this where they're going to say, like, all right, we have this guy number one on our board. We know there's a lot of public pressure to take this guy. You know, in the past, you would see a team maybe move down to get that guy to just avoid the scrutiny that would come on passing with one of these, you know, top two or three guys. Like, I I don't know. I, I don't, especially in a draft like this, it wouldn't shock me if Minnesota was just like, screw it, we're taking Halliburton. We'll we'll live with the consequences if Lamella Ball becomes the player that some think he can be.
1: Yeah. I just I think the reason why it doesn't happen in this draft is because uh once you just trade down to Charlotte, then like
3: I Yeah. Mean, the, if that's the on difference the, our,
1: the difference in contracts, like that that's the other thing. Like you don't wanna be paying Tyrese Halliburton what a number one overall pick gets. Um if you think he's gonna be there at like four. Uh, and even and if even if the other team, even if the team that trades up to one doesn't give you a ton to trade up, you would still rather trade down just for the sake of the, yeah. the money.
2: Right. You don't have to you don't in that scenario, you don't have to worry about trying to collect a future first or anything like that. It becomes right. more of a financial decision. Uh, all right. So I'll throw out the props for their four players, Lamello, Wiseman, Edwards and Obi Toppin, uh, who have over under where they'll be drafted uh, bets on DraftKings. So I'll give you the number. You tell me if you like the over or the under. LaMelo
3: Ball, over, under, two and a half. I'm just going to say stay away. Like I, <laughs> so,
1: it, you know, it's, it's plus 180 um, for the over. It's minus 225 for the under. I think they set this line pretty perfectly. Like, I, I just don't, I don't really see a ton of value on either side there.
2: Yeah, I I think that's a push. I think he goes with the two and a half pick. <laughs> yeah. Uh, same same number for James Wiseman. Over under two and a half. Uh, over two and a half, which would imply, I guess, higher than two.
1: Yeah, uh, I think that means he goes one or two.
2: Yeah, yeah. So that's minus two twenty five, and then the under is plus one eighty.
1: I love that that over. I love I love just betting that he goes in the top two at, at minus two twenty five. Like you're you're definitely paying a premium there. Yeah, but as you should one thing about this one thing about this draft is there's there's like a half dozen uh guards that you want there's a half dozen wings you want there's only these two big men and I think that that's why a is getting talked about as high as 3 and I think like when you look at the whole class like Wiseman is the one who stands out as being different from all the other guys and so I just think by that he's going to go top top two. It doesn't necessarily mean he's going to go to the wolves or the warriors, but I just think someone, if that picks available to, to go up and get him there, mm-hmm. someone will trade whatever it takes to go get him. So I feel pretty good about why he's been going with one of the first two picks.
2: All right. So Anthony Edwards, here's where you could play the board a little bit. His number is one and a half. So you're betting, if you're taking the over, you're betting that he goes one at uh, the under is minus two thirty-five. That's two or lower. Uh the over is plus one eighty seven. Now you can bet him to go number one straight up in the bets that we just talked about at minus two thirty-five. So don't do that. If you if you think Edwards is gonna go number one and you wanna put money on it, just take the over on one and a half at plus one eighty seven.
1: Yeah, I mean I, I I think we're reading these lines right, right? I think so. Like like where it's over meaning they go ahead of two and a half. <laughs> I wish they could have worded this a little bit better. There's, but, no, um, there's
2: no explanation on here, so we, we will be assuming that. It doesn't... Yeah, like, why would you bet Anthony Edwards? It would make no sense that, that he's the favorite to go number one yeah. in that other bet, and then it, there would be dramatically higher odds for him to go lower than one in this one. I, I think we're right here.
3: Okay, well... Yeah, I mean, I think Edwards goes one, so... um. Actually, no. I think we're reading it wrong
1: because he's he's negative. This is this is great podcasting, but he's yeah, uh he's negative two thirty five to go first, and then he's negative two thirty five to go under one and a half. So I think that's the same bet, right? So
2: if that that would make sense, uh, I will admit that it so doesn't. It makes less sense for Wiseman, though.
1: But that make yeah. I mean, it that makes the Wiseman bet. It's good either. Like I would do it if it's minus two twenty five. I would definitely do it. if it's Yeah. Important. Now I like the Wiseman bet more,
2: and I like the Edwards bet less.
1: Okay?
3: okay, it's good
2: to figure this out on the fly. We don't want to be spreading
1: yeah. misinformation.
3: Yeah. DraftKings
2: yeah. Um, put put some explainers here. This is too difficult. <laughs> so
1: I still love betting Wiseman to go top two, and yes, especially if those either odds, but especially if it's plus one eighty, and then I'm I'm staying away from Edwards there. If
3: it's uh if we're yeah. reading that right. So but that means the one that Lamello is the one then that
1: a I, pretty heavy favorite to go top two.
2: Say that again? So Lamello is then a pretty heavy favorite to go top two, which would again be in accordance with those first overall pick odds. Because he he's plus 195 to go number one. And again, Wiseman's plus 785. So yeah, I, I think you're right.
1: And then the one that I really, really like is betting Obi Toppin to not go in the top four. And I mean those odds are about the same like it's over four and a half is minus one eighteen, under four and a half is minus one oh four. I do not think Obi Toppin will go in the top four picks. I don't and either. I feel I feel almost as strongly about that as I do Wiseman going top two, if not even stronger. Um mm-hmm. there's just not a there's not a ton of precedent for a guy as old as him uh going that high like it 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 rarely rarely happens
2: so here's my cop for Obi toppin not as a player but as a prospect in how he's valued buddy healed mm. both had yeah, the same, and insanely healed. good years but the age was an issue for healed he ended up being even a year older than we thought yeah. which if people had known that at the time would have been even more of an issue
3: but i think they both face like the exact same set of questions Um, yeah,
1: I mean, I, I think I liked healed more as a prospect than I do top end, um, but I definitely see where you're going with that. And I mean, healed what he went like sixth? Um, six, I believe to, which this feels like a lifetime ago, but when he played for the Pelicans. Yeah. Like healed went sixth. um, like Frank Kaminsky went like eight, like I'm trying to think of like a recent guy that's that's in toppin's age range that went higher than fifth like it just it it really never happens um yeah so i i love that one and and like when you're doing these when you're looking at like the sports book obviously from their perspective they just want to get an even amount of action on both sides of the line they're not necessarily telling you we're really pretty confident he's going to go four or five they just know that everyone knows about Obi Toppin. And if anyone wants to put money on this draft that, that's a, been following college hoops, they're probably like, oh, Toppin, cool. Like, I'll, I'll bet on him to go top four. Like, so yep. like I can see Toppin going as low as like eight to the Knicks. Um, yeah. And in fact, I think it's more likely that he would go eight than four. So I, I really love picking on him to, yeah. to go outside the top four.
2: Well, with, with that bet, you're, it hinges entirely on Chicago at four, right? Or a, team yeah, trading, and- or a team trading up, I guess, to target Toppen.
1: Why in the world would the Bulls take Toppin at four? Like, I, like you I have Wendell Carter and Laurie Markinen and you want to bring in Obi Toppin. Um,
2: yeah, and that I scenario, mean, I- you're probably trading one of them. I mean, I, to me, I, I think if Atlanta holds on to the pick, he's probably their guy at six, if he's there. And I think there's a pretty good chance he's the Cavs guy at five
3: um Toppin, yeah i
1: not saying that's the right pick
3: isn't
1: isn't he basically just like john collins though like i I don't know why i would like to reiterate this is the cleveland cavaliers we were talking about well i could definitely see the Cavs taking him i just don't i can't see i'm not saying he's the right pick pick. I, i like i think the hawks would love to get halliburton um and i think the bulls might get halliburton at four um I think I could see Dan Gilbert just saying Obi Toppin, Dayton, like lock it up and end the story. But then you're still winning the bet of him going outside the top four.
2: Right, right, exactly. All right, so we're on the same page there. And then the final uh, options on DraftKings, you have some top 10 specials. Number of freshmen drafted in the top 10, the number is set at four and a half, over four and a half, plus 252, under four and a half, minus 335.
1: Okay, so
3: let's go through the freshmen. You got Edwards, Wiseman, uh, Okoro. Okongwu. Okongwu. So if Patrick
1: Williams went top 10, then you'd win the bet, right?
2: So those four feel like close to locks. Those are the four that you're depending on. And then, yeah, you would need Patrick Williams. You would uh, need—I mean, who else is a a possibility? Even
1: Precious Chua.
2: Chua, yeah. I I mean, it's it's possible. I mean, you're you're basically depending on like the ninth or tenth pick for that. Like those, this this wouldn't be a bet that you win in the first six picks.
1: Yeah, I guess like Maxi, maybe Um, possible. But uh, I I think Patrick Williams is going to go top ten. Tyrell Terry, if he really makes a jump, I don't. I don't know. I mean, I, there are there are a few options, but that one, you, I think you would be sweating that one until at yeah. least like the ninth pick. Um, so okay. I think I think that's a pretty good line. That might that might be a stay yeah. away. Um, international players. This is over I, three and a half plus three hundred five, under three and a half minus four hundred. So
3: is Lamelo? So they're telling you.
1: Yeah, they're telling you they don't think more than three guys go top ten. Does Ball count? I think he has
2: to, right? I mean, so Ball and Abdijah are the two obvious ones. And then yeah. the number was three and a half, right? Yeah, so it has. he saying, has they, to count.
1: I think Hayes, Abdijah, and Ball go top 10. And they're pretty confident that uh, Alexej, Popeshevsky does not go top 10, basically.
2: <laughs> well, the other one would be Hampton. Or Hampton yeah i I would go under on both of those i think
1: yeah talking it out I actually I know the odds aren't great, but under three and a half international players in the top ten seems pretty much like a lock uh i mean do we we could talk about Pokushevsky quickly uh why not talk, i i talk about talking to guys. the kings he's impossible to count like well, you cannot comp anyone to him and that's usually a bad sign with scouting like if you can't think of who someone reminds you of there's usually a reason for that and we're talking about a seven foot like does he doesn't he kind of play like a point or like a shooting guard kind of like
2: more or less yeah I mean he attempts to to, to the degree with which he's able to yeah I mean like some of the comps you see with him are like Lamar Odom I've seen uh I think the ringer threw out Detlef Schrempf I mean, you're turning the clock back like a good 30 years to, to try to find somebody
1: who how plays like this guy. How about your boy Austin Day?
2: Sure, Austin Day. Uh, I mean, from a from a physical standpoint, absolutely, he's a bigger Austin Day. Yeah, I know. Uh, I cannot confirm whether or not he wears a quintuple XL T-shirt under his jersey to try to hide his arms. Doesn't appear that he does.
1: He he definitely needs to. Uh, bring an undershirt undershirt to his rookie season. Yeah, he would he would
2: be the the Anthony Davis kind of tight undershirt just over the shoulder. I do think I'd have to look this up, but I, I think for height to weight, he would be the biggest like ratio or whatever what however you want to phrase that. He is two hundred pounds and seven feet with a seven three wingspan. I mean he like yeah. when you watch him like he makes Kristaps Porzingis look like ripped when he came into the league. I mean he is he is noticeably skinnier than the other skinny big men that that we've seen come into
1: the NBA. Yeah. So, you know, some, I, I obviously, I think some team in the top 20 is gonna have been on him for, you know, over a year and, and they've got great reports and they feel good about just taking a big flyer on him because he can pass and shoot and he's seven feet. And my big question is just like defensively, what do you even do with him? Like he, he's definitely like he would, just get his ankles broken routinely if he had to guard on the perimeter. Right. But he would also just get dunked over mercilessly if he had to guard in the interior. So <laughs> that's the big question to me is like,
3: mm-hmm.
1: yeah, you could talk yourself into the offensive game being pretty compelling, but it, like which player in the NBA could not score on him?
2: <laughs> you know what the cop might be is like a less physical bull bowl, bowl.
3: Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's not bad. And that's
2: it. Like, not that bull bowl is like the pinnacle bold,
1: of
2: physicality. Bold, 2. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, did have 1.7 blocks per game, uh, two, about 2.8 per 36, uh, according to the Ringers. So, I, I'm guessing a lot of those are just he's tall and some, some short right. guy went into him and he, it just kind of deflected off his wrist.
1: If you have a 7 3 wingspan, it's weird. It'd be weird if you weren't blocking that many shots per game.
2: Yeah. And and it's a red flag that he is only blocking 1.7 per game. When you're that tall, when you're that tall, you should be blocking a hell of a lot more shots than that. All right. Anything else you want to hit on? I, I think we just about covered it for today.
3: No,
1: I I really hope that we get some trades uh, before the draft. I'm sure we'll, we'll definitely get some the night of the draft. Um, I like that this Drew Holiday news is out there, so that you know yeah. at least teams kind of start to leak stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, hopefully, hopefully, some more stuff happens. But looking forward to the draft.
2: Yeah, exactly. Two weeks away now from the November 18th draft, which I, I saw some rumblings yesterday that depending on what happens with the CBA, it could be moved again. I, I don't think that's going to happen. I think the draft has been pushed back enough already. I, I think the league will will push through and and have that happen on the 18th. But count down the days. So thanks again for taking the time to do this. Really appreciate you lending your, you know, your free time with baseball season off right now to to pitch in on this coverage.
1: Yeah, always fun.
2: All right, man. See you later.
4: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in.